Innes Forgettance is a folk fantasy podcast set in an alternate Appalachia and faraway Celtic fort. You can help support me and this story by sharing it with your friends, posting on social media, or by clicking the link in the description to buy me a coffee. I'm glad you joined me this week, and stay safe out there in the woods. Previously on the Innis Forgettance, Elga's second meeting with Seamus disintegrated into chaos. Seamus prophesied that the Everchild would make them leave Innis Kellig Island. He identified Brana as the Everchild and accused Elga of protecting Brana despite his prophecy. In a fit of rage and despair, Seamus vowed that if Elga wouldn't make Brana leave, he would. Terrified, Elga enlisted Abin's aid, and together they hurried across the Innis Stone Fort to the dwelling Elga shares with Brana. Elga tried to be gentle, even as she told Brana she must be married imminently, rather than the year and a day hand-fasting they had agreed to. Panicked, Brana begged Elga not to force her to wed too fast. Finally, Elga lied and told her granddaughter that the reason for the haste was that she is sick and must live in the healer's dwelling for rigorous care and would not be able to care for Brana. Brana's world is turned upside down in an instant, and she is told she will leave the next day for the Yerdet land. Brana and Elga in the past. Brana shuffled behind Abin, pulling her gray hooded robe tight. The sun rose at her back while they headed west toward Yerdatland. Its warmth was her sole comfort, her only anchor. Her head hadn't stopped spinning. Her heart hadn't stopped breaking since Grandmother's sudden news the afternoon before. Grandmother, sick? How? She'd given no clue she felt unwell, but it was just like her to be stone-faced about such a matter. Grandmother, sick. She pushed her hands to her chest, desperate to reach her heart, certain that an invisible hammer had slammed it until it cracked like the Grikes by the sea. She prayed she could keep it at bay, that she wouldn't reveal her secret. Will she be well again, Abin? But the locksmith kept walking. His silence tore at her, unbearable. The silence, the pain, the separation, unbearable. Her arms trembled. She shook them out as if the agony would fall to the ground like dust.
but still she felt like a cistern with too many cracks. I'm going to crumble, she thought. I can't do this. For what seemed to be the hundredth time, she recited the alder tree's sentiment to herself. You can do anything as long as you don't forget who you are. But with every step away from Innes land, she felt pieces of herself fall like breadcrumbs to be eaten by hungry birds. Would she ever go back? Would she ever see grandmother or the little children again? Aben, she begged, will she be well? Silence. Aben, Aben, she stagger ran to catch up to him. Don't be silent to me, please. Do you think my grandmother will be well? But he wouldn't even look at her. I have no answer to give, he said. No! She fell to the ground and buried her head in her hands. The cries wouldn't be contained, but she prayed the warning haze would stay at bay. Aben's footsteps crunched until the toes of his shoes touched her elbows. Get up. His fingers dug into her elbow, pulling her to her feet. Grow up. Sober yourself. Keba won't have a sniveling, shrinking shell of a wife. And who will you marry then? A yedit stranger? He pulled his hand back as if to slap her. She whimpered and shrank back. Aben sighed, dropped his hand to his side. Your well-being depends on this union. Tribal peace depends on this union. You will do this for your grandmother, for yourself, for our people. His ire scorched her. She pulled at her robes as if they were the fires that burned her skin. Panic flooded her chest when she saw little ripples of dark haze emitting. You can do anything as long as you don't forget who you are, she thought. As long as you don't forget, don't forget, don't, don't, don't forget. She whispered, Yes, locksmith, I'm afraid. But I will do it. Brana stood at the edge of a cliff by the sea. Kerba held both of her hands, a slight smile on his lips, his ruddy hair glowing mahogany and orange in the flailing light of failing sun. The first stars of night twinkled behind his head like a royal crown. Morna, Yerdit priestess and mother of Kerba, approached them with a small knife. They're shaken, Kerba whispered and tightened his grip. Does that help? Brana nodded, surprised to realize his touch had eased her nerves. She wore several heavy necklaces made for the Yerdet marriage tradition. Her sand-colored hair piled and pinned so tight it raised the skin by her eyebrows. Her head ached. 
She will bind us by blood now, Kerba said. Are you ready? Her vision swam. She looked at the small crowd gathered around them. She managed a smile at a stone-faced young woman with hair like sunlight, the weaver of beautiful basketry, a boy of about five or six with curls as bold as fire flame stood beside her. Vire, his name was. The child's name had stuck in her mind. Then there was the chief, along with several influential Yerdit. Names, names, so many names she'd heard that day. Interacted with more people in one day than she had in her entire life back at Fort. She never wanted to do so again. Her entire being felt flimsy like a jellyfish carcass. Her spirit still throbbed from being torn from grandmother. She stood before Kerba, staring at him with eyes that couldn't make sense of the circumstances around her, a shell of who she'd been only yesterday morning when she'd marveled at the mysterious hornet flower with him. Hornet flower, she thought. My plant friends. In all the chaos, she'd forgotten to say goodbye to her plant friends, forgotten to see if a one of them could accompany her on her journey, a guardian to remind her of home, of love, of who she was. Am, she corrected herself quietly, who I am. An even greater gale of despair blew over her. She felt Kerba flinch just before Morna sliced the squishy flesh by her thumb. She let out a little yelp as the priestess forced their hands together, tying them with a scarf. You're my wife now, dear Bruni, thrummed in her ears as her eyes rolled back in her head and she tumbled to the ground. Elga paced the lodge all day, awaiting Abin's return. Finally, when the waning gibbous light filtered through the roof, the wooden door opened. It is done, the locksmith said. She's married? Elga said. Abin nodded. Collapsed at the blood binding, Kerba had to carry her to his hut. Elga covered her face with her hands. Abin said, I know you hate that it had to go this way, and so do I. But you did the right thing as grandmother to Bronna and storykeeper for our people. Elga breathed deeply, her cheeks warm and sticky with her exhalations. She shook her head. Elga, Abin said, I don't feel right about it. Abin blinked. Beg your pardon? It was too fast. It was a severe change for Bronna. Yes, very hard on her, Abin agreed. But it had to be done. There's no other way. Elga uncovered her face and looked at Abin. My plan had been to send our watch over the year and a day that Kerba and Bronna were handfast. To investigate, to make sure the marriage would be good for her. I haven't had time, 
This was too fast. I spoke to the watch when I returned to fort this evening, said Aben. We will have all the knowledge we need before the next new moon. And I will not sleep until then, Elga said. Aben dipped his head. I understand, but perhaps you can sleep, knowing the last image I saw of Kerber caressing Brona's cheek while they leaned against his hut. Her head nestled against his shoulder. Does that ease your spirit? But Elga only looked away and said, Send a spy. The Innis Forgettance was written, narrated, and produced by me, Leah Noel, with special appearance by David Walker. The original song, Beware the Never Seen, was written, composed, and performed by Georgia musicians Miles Landrum and Lorelei. You can find links to more of their excellent music in the show notes. Sound effects came from the kind folks at freesound.org. You can follow this podcast with behind the scenes and more on Instagram and TikTok at Leah with a pen. Ooh.